Okay, so during the week, somebody, I had said at the end of the lesson last week that the prophets could be divided into further subgroups based upon when they prophesied and who they prophesied to, okay? So I told you that there were pre-exilic, that's uh, prophets who prophesied before the exile to Babylon, prophets who prophesied during the Babylonian captivity, and then the prophets who prophesied after the Babylonian captivity. Then I said you could also make further subcategories as far as those who were prophesying to Israel, those who prophesied to the southern kingdom. And so I got a text this week, and I said, George, could you put, could you tell me what those categories are or what, what those prophets are? Well, that's a lot of information, to, and I hate texting, okay? So I thought, we'll, we'll give a handout since we're having a notebook, okay? So these are the Old Testament prophets. These include the major and minor prophets. And I'm going to go through these with you. If you have your handout, if you have a handout, we'll just kind of go through these real quick so that you understand who these prophets are speaking to, when they were speaking, and so forth. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about before the exile. Okay, before the exile. Now, in Judah, before the exile... Uh, there were there were basically major prophets and minor prophets. So in Judah, you have Isaiah, and you see the time span in which he was, and Jeremiah. Then you'll notice the minor prophets. Okay, so if you want to understand the minor prophets, these were prophets to Judah, the southern kingdom. Joel, Micah, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, whichever you prefer to translate it, okay? So you'll see the time frame in which they were prophesying. You'll notice now that before the exile, there were two prophets to Israel, Hosea and Amos, Okay? Now, we, we know the northern kingdom, we understand the southern kingdom, and that there were prophets to these, um, to these places, but you probably are kind of like, what do you mean there were prophets to somewhere else? Well, actually, there's two other areas that we see prophecies concerning. First of all, it's to Edom, okay, Edom, and that's the prophet Obadiah. Obadiah's prophecy was concerning Edom or Esau. Do you understand Esau now? We'll talk about that when we get to Genesis. That is the, the nation that came out of Esau. Okay. Then we see prophecies concerning Assyria. Okay. Assyria, and that would be Jonah. Remember, Jonah's book was concerning the prophecy against where? Nineveh. Okay. All right, so you see Jonah, and then later, Nahum, okay? Nahum, and you'll see the prophecy there, okay? Now, those are the, pro- pro- the, the prophets that we have in our Old Testament before the exile. 
Now, when we get to during the exile, I think it's interesting, the only prophetic material that we have from during the exile is from two major prophets. First one is Ezekiel, okay? And Ezekiel actually died during the exile, was killed during the exile. And then the prophet Daniel, okay? And his prophecy, his book covers basically from the beginning of the exile all the way into the reign of the Persians, okay? Into the reign of the Persians. Now, when we get to after the exile, this is when these prophets were writing to the Jewish people in Judah, to, to the, to the uh, folks in Jerusalem, after the exile. Remember, Cyrus gave the decree that they could go back to their home area. They could rebuild their temple. And so you have certain prophets who arose during that time period. Okay, So after the exile, you have Haggai, Zechariah, and then the final book of the Old Testament, everybody knows, Malachi. No, excuse me, Malachi, okay? It's not an Italian name, all right? Malachi, all right? So this is information for you. Uh, I, would, I would put that in your notebook after the first lesson. When we get to the minor prophets and the major and minor prophets later on, you'll see this information again, but this is just a introductory material for you. So anybody got a question concerning this before we move on to our discussion today? Anybody got a question? Oh, by the way, does everybody have a notebook? We have one notebook left right now. Does everybody need a notebook? Are we okay? All right. So let's look today at the books of the law in Genesis. Now, my wife said to me last week, George, that was so dry last week. And, and I thought, yeah, well, it's introductory material. It's always going to be dry, okay? So I've got a warning for you today, folks. It's still going to be a drought today, okay? Because this is introductory material. Now, here's what you can do. You can say, oh, i got to sit through this. Uh, or you could say, help me to understand, because my understanding helps me to understand the New Testament. Okay? Help me to understand, because so it'll help you to understand the New Testament. We're going to get some background material here today concerning the books of the law and Genesis. So let's t- talk about the nature of the law. Okay? The law, if you remember reading through the, through the uh, New Testament, especially the Gospels, Pharisees mentioned it. Jesus mentions the what? Law. All right? The law. Paul, in his letters, when he's talking about we're no longer under the what? Law. Okay? Do you understand? So it is a very prevalent theme because the law very much was an important part of Jewish life. And even today, if you were to go to Jerusalem, okay, the law is very much a part of Jewish life. So, for instance, if you're in a hotel on the Sabbath, on a Saturday, you can't tell the elevator what floor you want to go to. They are Shabbat elevators. That would be considered work. They've considered that to be work, working on the Sabbath. So the elevators randomly go to floors on the Sabbath. They just stop at row, up at, 
level five, go down to level two, up to level three, down to level one, randomly. So you just get on the thing and wait for it to come to your floor. Do you understand? Because they're still living by the what? The law. Well, their interpretation of the law, okay? Like, for instance, I would have a hard time in Jerusalem if I went to McDonald's. You say, why? I can't get a cheeseburger there. They don't have cheeseburgers. Why? Because there is a law in the Old Testament against cooking a calf in its mother's milk. Well, I already know that that piece of American didn't have anything to do with that beef that I'm eating, but that's where they're at, okay? So enough of the silliness. Let's talk about the books of the law. So let's talk about the nature of the law, all right? This is the first part of the section of the Hebrew canon called the Torah, or it's also called the teachings, or the law. So these first five books are often referred to. This is part of the Hebrew canon, so the Hebrew scripture, okay? What we call the Old Testament. This is the first section, and it's often called the law, the teaching, or the Torah. Have you ever heard the term the Torah before? Okay, all right. Jews use that word to refer to the Torah, the law. When they say the Torah, they are referring to the first five books, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They refer to them all as the Torah, as the law, okay? Now, this section in the Septuagint is known as the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch, or the five scrolls. Now, let me explain to you what the Septuagint is, because you're like... What is the Septuagint? Okay, the Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Scripture. So let me give you a little bit of understanding of what's going on here, because this is going to have an impact on your understanding of the New Testament, okay? And even our understanding of the first five books even now. Do you remember there was a Greek king by the name of Alexander the Great, and he did, he kind of wanted some real estate, didn't he? Do you know what I'm saying? When he went to go buy real estate, what did he do? He just took it. So basically, he defeated the Persians, okay? And he took over a lot of real estate. In fact, all the way from Greece, all the way down to Egypt, all the way out to India. That was the Greek Empire, okay? When Alexander died... His kingdom was divided among his four generals, okay? And so that area became, up until the time the Romans took over, that area became Hellenized, okay? Hellenized. What does that mean? It became Greek in its thinking, in its language. The common language then became Greek. He started a city in northern Egypt, which was called Alexandria. Guess who he named it after? Himself, right? Okay. Alexandria became a major city known for education and libraries, wisdom literature, okay? It had a, a significant Jewish population there. So that Jewish population, who were Hellenized, decided to put 
the Hebrew scriptures into the Greek language. So that's what we call the Septuagint, okay? The Septuagint. Now, by the time of Jesus, some of the times when Jesus quotes from the Old Testament, he's not actually quoting from the Hebrew Old Testament. Sometimes he's actually quoting from the Greek translation, okay? Isn't that interesting? He's quoting from the Greek translation. So, when we talk about the Torah in this Greek translation, they refer to it as the Pentateuch, okay? Penta coming out of that, coming out of a Greek language, okay? Meaning five, all right? So these are the five scrolls, okay? The five scrolls. Now, Here's what I need you to understand. After Genesis, each book begins with the conjunction and, except numbers. So, after Genesis, in the Septuagint, start out with Genesis. We'll talk about that in a minute, what that meaning is. But then it was and Exodus. Not just Exodus, and Exodus. Then it's Numbers, and, well, excuse me, and Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Why? Because the Jews saw the five books as being what? Together, as one. Remember, they referred to it as the law. Now, remember what I said last week? I said to you, maybe some of you did this as a project. You read through all the Gospels in the last, since we were here last to see if George was right. And I said to you, you never see anywhere where it says, Genesis says this. Leviticus says this. Deuteronomy says this. You'll not find that anywhere. Okay? You'll not find that at all. What you'll see is the law says, it was written in the law. Do you understand? Why? Because in the Jewish mind, the five books are together. Okay? The five books are together. We delineate them because we have titles for our books. Do you understand? We see them as separate. And some of you are like, man, I am glad they're separate because I just skip over that Leviticus thing. Okay? Because it's rough. Do you know what I'm saying? It's rough. All right? So, Genesis to Deuteronomy is a continuous account by Moses concerning creation through Moses' life. So that section, those five books, are a continuous account by Moses concerning creation through Moses' life. Now, you can add to that that they're a continuous account because it's not just about Moses. Moses would say it's not about him, although he's the main focus in a lot of the books. What he would say is it's about a people, God's people, and where they came from. One man, Abraham, who had son, but one son, Isaac, who had another, had two sons, but one son from him, who what? Had Jacob, who would be called Israel. And how many sons did Jacob have? Twelve sons. Okay, 12 sons. And from those 12, it came to what? 12 tribes of Israel. 
and the account of them going down into Egypt for 400 years of bondage, Moses being raised up as a deliverer, the foundation of that people being taken to then to, to take Canaan, but also been given what we know as is the law, okay? What we know as is the law. So Genesis to Deuteronomy is a continuous account. That's the law, okay? So let's talk about the book of Genesis now. So this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. We're going to talk about what we call Genesis. Why do we call it Genesis, okay? And so let's start here. First of all, the title. In Hebrew, it is the first word of the book. Okay, so the title of a Hebrew book is always the first word of the book, all right? Which was in the beginning or by way of the beginning, okay? So if you had a Hebrew translation, the title of the book isn't going to say Genesis, okay? It's going to be whatever the Hebrew word is for in the beginning, okay? All right? Now, from the Septuagint translation, so this is why it's important for you to understand why the Septuagint is important to us. From the Septuagint translation, it is Genesis. Genesis is is a Greek word, okay? Which means beginning or origin, okay? So what we know of as Genesis is the Greek title for that book, okay? All right? Which means beginning or origin, all right? So, So just realize that. Okay, so to be honest with you, the title for the book didn't show up until about 400 B.C. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, although the the book was written way before that, okay, so a thousand years before that. Now, let's talk about the authorship and date of the book. Okay, so this is very important to know who the author is and the date of the book. Okay, so the Bible itself does not name the author. Okay, so if you read through Genesis, unlike in the New Testament, where, like, for instance, if you're reading Acts, you know that it's being written to somebody, and it's more than likely coming from Luke, or if you read Paul's letters, it's it's Paul, you know what I'm saying, or Peter. That's not true in the, New, in the Old Testament. When you read through the Genesis or the other four books of the five, it's not going to say, this is the account of Moses concerning creation. He's not, it's not going to say that, okay? So the Bible itself does not name the author, okay? The Bible itself does not name the author. But ancient Jewish writers say Moses wrote it, okay? Ancient Jewish writers say Moses wrote it. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Why would Moses be the ideal person to write these five books for the Jewish nation? Why would he be the ideal person? Okay, he had a face-to-face relationship with God. Okay, that's good. But there's something more about Moses, because a lot of people can have a face-to-face relationship with God. That doesn't mean they can just write five books. Okay? What is it about Moses and his background? Yes, he was educated. Because remember, he's leading a nation of what? Slaves. They were slaves to the Egyptians. 
Moses, though, this is all in God's providence, isn't it? Moses, though, was taken and raised where? Yeah, in the household of Pharaoh as a prince. And do you get educated when you're a male in the household of Pharaoh? Yeah, you learn how to write. Because not everybody, women did not write back then, folks, okay? And not every male wrote. That was a very privileged thing to learn how to write, okay? This is why we believe Moses is the writer of these five books, okay? He's the writer of these five books, as he was inspired by the scripture. So the, the ancient Jewish writers say that Moses wrote it, okay? That Moses wrote it. Now, the historical events are recorded by Moses who led the people of God out of Egypt, and there's two possible dates. Two possible dates that are given for when he led the people of God out of Egypt. 1445 B.C., or 1290 B.C. Now, the reason why there's two possible dates, there's a lot to it, and when we get to Exodus, I'll tell you why. But one of the reasons has to do with which pharaoh, okay? So there's a group of... So, but let me, let me ask you, what, who was the pharaoh? Who do you think was the pharaoh when Moses led the people out of Egypt? Okay, Ramses. Okay, that is one thought. That's why one of the dates. Okay. Now, I was surprised that you guys have not watched Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. Because that's who the Pharaoh is. You said, I thought it was Yule Brenner. <laughs> no, it's not Yule Brenner, folks. Okay. It's Ramses. But the question is, is, was it really Ramses? Because the Pharaoh is not mentioned, okay? The Pharaoh is not mentioned. There, there's even a theory out there, are you ready for this, that it was Tutankhamun, okay? Really? Because he died young, meaning they got rid of him after it happened. You know what I'm saying? So whatever, we're not going to speculate, okay? But I just want to show you, we'll talk a little bit later when we get to Exodus, about what date we actually think it is. So it's either 1445 B.C. or 1290, okay? Now, let me give you some general observations about the book of Genesis, okay? Some general observations. First of all, Genesis covers the period from creation of the cosmos to Abraham's family. So basically, when you read Genesis, you're going to read from the beginning, when God created everything, God created humanity, and as you work your way through Genesis, you're going to come to where really basically a majority of the book, chapter 12 through 50, is about Abram and his family. It's about Abram and his sons and his grandsons. Do you understand what I'm saying? And great-grandsons. So that's what the majority of Genesis is. So it's really, although some initial material concerning creation and the nations, but most of it is about a people. What people? The formation of the Jewish people, okay? Formation of the Jewish people. So Genesis covers the period from the creation of the cosmos to Abraham's family. Now, the early events of Genesis 1 to 11 are true historical events, but are undateable 
by current available knowledge. They're true events, but there's no way to date them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I know that through the years, we've tried to date them. There have been bishops through the years and uh, teachers and so forth through the years, uh, young earth creationists who will say it's only 6,000 years old. And that's fine. I'm a young earth person, okay? But the fact is, is we don't have knowledge to date everything exactly, especially chapters 1 through 11. And folks, to be honest with you, there's no way to date anything before the flood, right? Because everything got wiped out, okay? No way, all right? So what you're going to see are the early events of Genesis 1 to 11 are true historical events, but undateable by current knowledge, current available knowledge. Now, Genesis can be divided into two main sections, the history of humanity and the history of the patriarchs. The patriarchs are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the patriarchs. Okay? So you see the history of humanity and the history of the patriarchs. All right, can I go on? Okay. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend the rest of the time here. We, I, basically, we're going to divide it into an outline. Okay? So I'm going to give these to you so you can fill out your outline, because this is what we're going to cover over the next few weeks. Actually, the next couple of months, okay? Because I just finished the flood, and that was lesson six, okay? Wow. Yeah, that's why you got a notebook, okay? All right, so here's, first of all, the history of humanity is Genesis 1-1 through Genesis 11, verse 26, okay? Everybody got that? All right, so here is the subdividing of that section. You have creation, Genesis 1 to 2. The fall of man, Genesis 3. Pre-flood account of mankind, Genesis 4 and 5. Noah and the flood, Genesis 6 through 9. The formation of the nations, Genesis 10 through Genesis 11, verse 26, okay? So that's basically the outline of that first part of the book, okay? So this is all stuff that happened before the flood and up until the formation of the nations. The second part is the patriarchal history of Israel, so that's chapter 11, verse 27, through chapter 50, verse 26, okay? So this is the patriarchal history of Israel. So remember in the, in, in the Gospels, they refer back to the patriarchs or the fathers? Guess who they're referring to? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? So you get an... If you read this, you'll understand what they're talking about, okay? So let's give you the outline here, okay? All right, so first of all, the books of Genesis, the book of Genesis, Abraham is chapter 11, verse 27, through chapter 25, verse 10, 
And folks, when we go through this, you're going to realize one thing about O Abe. He's not perfect. He is, in some sense, a scoundrel. And I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you were a lady and you were married to him, you would be shocked. I mean, what he gets you into, that God has to get him out of, it's, it's not good, okay? Then you got Isaac, chapter 25, verse 11, through chapter 35, verse 29, okay? Then you have Jacob, chapter 28, verse 10, through chapter 36, verse 43. And then Joseph, with his coat of many colors, chapters 37, verse 1, through chapter 50, verse 26. Okay? All right, that's the books of the law and the introduction to the book of Genesis. 